Listener Production. This is the Rush Hour with AB and Elliot's podcast. Ah, uh, yes, just like every single bloke in the history of the world, Elliot, you this year got a penchant for the world of history. Like my dad with all of his bloody World War II documentaries, you're deep diving mm. into ancient and more modern history in your segment, Obscure History. Yeah, I feel like people at my age either get into one of two things. They, they learn about modern history or they start smoking their meats. Now, I've been smoking my meat <laughs> since I was 13. Um, so this is the year for history for me. Uh, today, I don't know if we can call them best bits because they're all delivered by me and they're average, but th- there's some of the most interesting tidbits from the last couple of hundred years. Uh, the story of Sweet Kiss, which is my favourite racehorse story of all time because it was the only horse that ever won with a dead jockey. Well, geez, that's a great tease. I'll listen just for that. <laughs> They'll be great as well around the Christmas mm. table if you've got some weird political yeah. views in your family and you don't want those yep. to be raised. Hey, no, True. instead, here's the story of how the alarm clock started. Uh, no, more interesting than that. Like the, the exploding whale carcass uh, because people use the wrong dynamite. That's in there. And also the world's worst marathon. This is, or whatever you call it. What's the Olympic version of marathon? Same shit. Uh, it, it was way back in 1903 and it was lots of what happened there was illegal. It, if this event was on TV, it would be the highest grossing sports event of all time. It's all on the way. The best of obscure history on the other side of this. This is Triple M's Rush Hour with AB and Elliot. Obscure History with Elliot Lovejoy. I want to tell you a story today about one of the most incredible women I've ever heard of. I'll flash you back to World War II. In the 1800s, they attached bells to the coffin door and the arms of the people, so if they're still alive, they'd hear a bell on top of the grave and they'd dig them out. Saved by the bell. that was... Literally ride shotgun. So the passenger would carry a shotgun in order to scare off robbers who might want to attack them. Thing makes me sound so intelligent. I've been learning. I thought the opposite. It's like a professor. I, I, I thank you, Professor Lovejoy is here. I never paid attention in school, but I've started reading up on modern history, and I tell you what, at the ripe old age of thirty something, I'm enjoying it. I'm going to tell you a yarn today, and I'm going to flash you way back. We get some. Let me set a little bit of mood here. That'll work. I'm going to tell you a story today. What's this genre? It's wildfire by Michael something Murphy. Sure. I'm going to tell you a story about Frank Hayes. 101 years ago today, Frank Hayes unfortunately passed away. Rest in peace. It's an incredible story the day of his death. He was a jockey and he'd been racing for a long time. He was 35 years of age. Some papers say he was 22 and I find that that's a lot of disparity, 13 years difference. But anyway, (laughs) we'll go with 35. Substantially different. So... He was on a horse called Sweet Kiss, lined up to ride a massive event in Brooklyn over in the US that day. He'd never won a race in his life, Frank Ace. Been a jockey all his adult life, never won a race. 35 or 21. Well, that's why 35 sounds (laughs) so much more impressive. He'd been doing it 17 years. He was a 20-to-1 rank outsider that day. Wow, big odds. Sweet Kiss, his beautiful horse, got up and was in fine form was absolutely galloping along and hit the finish line before all the others. Frank Hayes had his first ever win as a jockey. This is where the story blows my mind. Halfway through the race, Frankie unfortunately had a heart attack and died. While on the horse? Frank Hayes remained strapped in to Sweet Kiss, now nicknamed the Sweet Kiss of Death, 
for the entirety of that race, another 30 to 45 seconds. The papers say from way back when, they also said he was 35 or 22, so take <laughs> it that what you will. very disparaging story. To add some colour to it, it was the whole race. Sweet Kiss went on. Maybe Sweet Kiss knew. Maybe Sweet Kiss felt the life of Frank pass out of his body and galloped a little bit Through further for his favourite ever jockey. And Frank won his or first ever race. him so much that wanted him to win. Wow. Let's but go he wasn't around anymore. <laughs> Ran on and Frank quite obviously became the first ever dead jockey to win a race, but it was his first win of all time and it went into his record books as well. Frank wow. passes away and wins a race at the same time. That horse, Sweet Kiss, never raced again. That was its last one. It's yeah, one. That's why I think she did it intentionally. And then retired. Isn't that incredible? I, I've ridden a horse before. I can barely hold on to a horse on a trot. Alive. <laughs> when I'm alive. I'm telling you, there's some. you love your jujus, your voodoo dolls, your kinds of things, your mercury and its own rassholes during the week, your woo-woo stuff. There was some mercury and woo-woos happening here. <laughs> An incredible yarn. Mercury's you, inside the woo-woos. Just hanging out. <laughs> right where they belong. Today I have for you a tale from 1904, producer Luke and AB from the St. Louis Olympics in the States that is my favourite sporting event of all time. It's the marathon during that Olympics because it's absolute chaos. You're going to have to stay with me here. So there was lots of oddities to this race. Uh, first up, we had Fred Laws. He was from the US. He was one of the few genuine athletes to race in part of it. The oddities were there was lots of just ring-ins from all over the place. So in, I could have been one. Yeah, well, you would have been more fit than some of them. We had two blokes from a South African tribe who arrived at the starting line barefoot. Some people had to give them shoes to use. There was a cu- Some people nowadays actually do run barefoot, though, well, by choice. Not in the Olympics, Annabelle. No, no. There was a Cuban bloke called Felix who raised money to come to the US by demonstrating his running prowess in Cuba. Upon his arrival to the US, he was in New Orleans. He lost all his money on a dice game oh. and had to walk to St. Louis for the Olympics, which is over 12,000 kilometres. <laughs> Good training for the event. He got there. He showed up in long pants at the event and race officials had to get scissors out and cut them into shorts. It was really hot that day, right? This isn't even the beginning, by the way. Really hot that day. 35 degrees and and a far north Queensland kind of humidity. Uh, Straight off the bat, first couple of Ks in, we had a dude that got hospitalised. He was hemorrhaging as dust from the track was ripping apart his stomach Oh, no. Uh, Another bloke started vomiting and gave up. He had a bit of heat stroke. One of our two South African testants I told you about with the no shoes on got chased off the course by wild dogs and he was out of the race. And Felix the Cuban, despite making great time, kept getting distracted by spectators, stopping to talk to them and flirting with the US women. <laughs> Even at one stage... He's like, I've already done a walk, I guess. He stole peaches from two passers-by as oh. well. So at this stage, halfway through the race, the race leader is a bloke called Sam Meller. And Tom Hicks is pretty close too. A couple of US guys. But they both had to stop with cramps. Cramps also plague race favourite Fred Laws, who sneakily decided to hitch a ride with a passing car. Stop it. Laws took the car 11 miles and stopped a K out from the finish line. He jogged across the line as the American crowd went nuts. Alice Roosevelt put a wreath over his head and she was about to place the gold medal over him when a spectator yelled out, Imposter! And dobbed Fred in for getting in the car. And they just believed him straight away. So you remember the couple of blokes that had cramps early yeah. on? So we had uh, Tom Hicks and Sam Miller. Well, well, 
Mel is out of it. Tom Hicks hears that Laws has been stripped of the title yeah. and, and he finds a little something in him. His trainers, to give him some energy and get rid of the cramps, gave him a quick snag of egg whites and three shots of brandy. Oh, I'm going to try That'll that. That'll do it. A mile away from the finish he's about to cross, he begins hallucinating, thinking he's still 25 miles off. He laid down on the track and refused to run. His egg white and brandy feeding trainers picked him up, carried him across the line. He won. And I know you're Is sitting... still well, counts, Yeah, because he crossed the line. There was no cars yeah, involved. Yeah, he got carried. I know you're sitting there thinking, well, what happened to Felix the Cuban? No one knows. No he one... just came over and was like, eh, sick, no visa required. No yeah. one knows where he was chasing peaches yeah. or hot women. I don't know. It was all a ploy just to leave Cuba. Yeah, he just wanted to stay in America. Why aren't marathons this fun? That happens a lot when they come from Korea, oh, like North Korea. Marathons are pretty fun. You just need as to come to one. As fun as the 1904 Olympics. That needs to be a movie. Stop telling people. Let's get the rights to that. We should get that sorted. <laughs> Let's get okay. the rights. That is one of if the If you're one of those people stories. that sells rights, get in contact, please. Triple M's Rush Hour with AB and Elliot. Today we're going to flash back to 1970. That is the year. And we're going to head along to Florence, Oregon, over in the States. This is a story of a sperm whale that just gets better the more I read it. Um, so, so to start with sad details, unfortunately this sperm whale, and, and this whale, by the way, absolutely humongous, 45 feet long, uh, washed up on a beach. It was deceased and it was sitting on that beach. Now, there's been cases in the past right across the world, happened in 2004 again over in Taiwan, where uh, because of the yuck stuff inside a whale, once they die, the carcass can literally explode everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's been other cases where... To get rid of the carcass, they tow the whale out to sea and they put dynamite attached to them. They explode them, so all the yuck yeah, stuff's gone. Yeah, full of, like, gases. Yes, correct. Um, th- this is the most American way of disposing of a whale I've ever heard of be- <laughs> because they, they missed an incredibly important detail. So they decided uh, to, to hit this whale with 450 kilos of dynamite. And then to tow the whale, you know, let's say half a kilometre out to sea, then it explodes and, you know, yeah. everything else gets eaten in the ocean. So no real harm. The circle of life. Yes. <sighs> Detail they forgot was the towing the whale into the ocean part. So the, oh my God. the whale's on the beach and within... 100 metres of the beach, there's high-rises, there's houses, there's adventure parks, there's car parks, whatever. They, they set off <laughs> the, the 450 kilo of dynamite and, and whale flesh. You can YouTube this video, by the way, 1970 whale. Just type that in. I'm doing that right now. 450 kilos of dynamite exploded this whale and it exploded 300 plus metres back towards humanity. So there were houses, cars, people covered in whale blubber and you name it for days on end. Oh, and the smell. They said the scent was the most horrific part of all of it. The explosion, watching it was bad enough. It was already gross anyway. But the YouTube video I watched, there's a few versions of it, but the handheld one, you can can see the moment this poor bloke with the camera gets covered in whale blubber. Oh, two, no. And the moment they have of, oh, we were meant to do this out at sea. People watching on the beach. Yeah. The best. Just don't do that. America. <laughs> oh, gosh, it goes everywhere. <laughs> it's so Wait, good. I need to see this. You, you got it. When you get a chance tonight, kids will sort you out on YouTube. Type in 1970 whale. It's the first thing that pops up. It's in Florence in Oregon. And America are being America for getting a little minor detail of towing the animal out to sea first. It's all right. We live and learn from them. 
Which is the best. <laughs> True. Next time I'll wail, Roxette, maybe you'll be Migaloo one day. You know, RIP at some stage, Migaloo will wash up somewhere. If we're to do the dynamite thing, we tow her back out to sea first. I'm trying to think if there's anything good that you could explode that would throw everywhere that people, like a giant Easter egg or something. Yeah, better than Chocolate? whale blubber. I just I, don't think we should be exploding things around other people. No, okay. no with okay. 450Ks okay. of no. dynamite. <laughs> I'm just an anyway, ideas woman. I like okay? your positivity. Today, we're going back to a tale from 1866. Let me firstly say, uh, AB and Luke, there are so many horrible things happening in the world at the moment, and every time I open, and I try not to, to be honest, a news website, there's some country that doesn't like the other, and they're fighting, and it's awful. So I've tried to find the nicest war story of all time, and I believe it has been found. It's a real challenge. About the country of, I'd never heard of till today, Liechtenstein. 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 Great. Um, So Liechtenstein is in Europe, and during the Prussian-Austrian War of 1866, Liechtenstein decided to get involved. They were to fight. Now, their leader at the time... Uh, who's a woman? Progressive country. Well, no, that's, why, that's why I was surprised. 1866. Wow. Um, Go Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein had an army of 80 soldiers. Oh. Which is not many. Not many. When when you're going to war, you want to have a few more than 80 soldiers. And Prussia was like multiple European countries into one. So they marched on together, the, the 80 soldiers. And they came back with 81 soldiers. <laughs> They recruited one? (laughs) So they sent out the 80. They were meant to guard a bit of a path and fight if they needed to between Austria and Italy. There's a little bit of fighting involved, but it was minimal. On the way, returning back, once things chill out a bit, they made friends with an Italian farmer who liked what they did, decided to... No casualties. One more worker, the Italian farmer that joined Liechtenstein. It is the only war in history where there's been minus one casualties. (laughs) So... So has there been ones that are zero? There's been some that... There was another one I read about where a war started because someone stole a kettle from another country and they had... Understandable. But then they returned the kettle and it was over. Zero casualties. Can we get more information about that one? Sure, I can do that next week. Yeah, do that next week. I need more information about the kettle war. Liechtenstein's army. Stein? Stein. 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 Liechtenstein's army went from 80 to 81 thanks to a lovely potato farmer from Italy. Today, I bring you a tale from 1784. Now, with all the shite that is going on at the moment in the world, wars, horrible, horrible things, lots of people sad. Honestly, I make a concerted effort not to read the news because there's so much awful going on. I've tried to find the battles in history that were a little bit more peaceful. Last year, we learned about Liechtenstein, the country that had 80 soldiers, went off to war. They came back with 81 because they recruited a potato (laughs) farmer. No lives lost. It's, in fact, the only war in history where it had minus one casualties. There is another war in history where there were none. In fact, in this war, there was only one shot fired the entire time. So as we go back to 1784... I want to tell you about the Kettle War. Now, this is between the Holy Roman Empire and the Republic of the Seven Netherlands, which I assume is just the Netherlands now. Sure. Where'd the other six go? (laughs) That's a great question. United States of the Netherlands. All all over the place. Um, So, 
these both sent off hundreds and hundreds of troops to fight against each other, right? They had boatloads. There was two warships each. There was merchant ships. Another warship popped up somewhere else. And they all met at this battleground. And, and imagine this. So let's say you got, I don't know, a 1,000 on one side, 1,000 on the other. They're facing against each other like you have on a football oval. Mm-hmm. They all held their guns there, but no one engaged. Someone on the Holy Roman Empire side fired a shot. It bounced off a kettle that the other side had brewing. Everyone panicked because the gunfire scared them off. And they said, you know what? Let's call it a day. (laughs) And they parted. No lives lost. One shot fired. Ammo stored forever. What a peaceful nation. Holy Roman Empire and the Republic of the Seven Netherlands. I don't think the Holy Roman Empire was that peaceful generally. But let's say the Netherlands were. It's interesting because, like, obviously those wars, particularly the Mm. ones over in that period, the 1700s, 1800s, they would do those fights where it would they'd just be step walking towards each other yes. and then they'd politely fire each. It was very, very uniformed and, and odd. I learned about that in that movie. Um what's the Mel Gibson one? Brave. No, 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 no. He goes Get to America. No, no, he goes to America. He's an American and then North is fast oh, fighting the South, the Yankees or whatever. You know today's actually the eighty ninth anniversary of the Great Emu War as well? Oh. oh, oh, yeah. I That's didn't know what Americans that. always used to argue that we need gun control. Well, we're idiots. We literally took us. If I didn't know enough about, it, we literally fought emus. And the yeah. first battle we won. I'm saying we as humans. The second one we lost because there's too many of them. Yeah. We lost to birds. I know that's their thing. They're always like, oh well, you couldn't even win a fight against birds. Oh dear. All right. To be fair. Yeah. Pretty intimidating birds. Big scary bastards. Huge. They are. Yeah. No thanks. Triple M's rush hour with AB and Elliot.